Welcome to The Hannibal Files, a Strange Harbors podcast. This is a weekly podcast discussion of Brian Fuller's serial killer television series, Hannibal. If you're just joining us, then you've chosen the perfect place to tune in. Today, we will be discussing the first two episodes of the first season, the series premiere titled Apertif, and the second episode titled Amuse-Bouche. My name is Jeff Sang, and today I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Derek Wong. This is the beginning of our journey. I know last week we talked about The Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme's 1991 Oscar winner, but now we're getting into the meat of the series, right? Of our podcast series, we're going to talk about the actual show. So I know I've seen the entire series before. I know Derek watched a bunch of it a couple months back. I know, Amir, you're doing it fresh, right? Yeah, basically fresh. Aside from having read some commentary over the years, the occasional Wikipedia article or whatever, stuff that pops up. A, cr- a critic I like writes about it, something like that. Because the show's a couple of years old. It's hard not to find something to read about like in the intervening years, yeah. But my viewing experience is fresh. It's the first time I've actually yeah. seen the show myself. I do remember seeing some images from it, so I don't know where I, where I got that. But I oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How hard is it not to press next at the end of episode Dude, two it was Netflix. really tough man. it's really tough i'm gonna be trying to just stick to two episodes a week so i can stay fresh um and not just burn through the whole thing and then have to record like with the fumes of barely remembered episodes so i'm trying, yeah, trying to yeah, keep yeah. it to two episodes a week but i mean it's, it's tough call. man it's uh i was pleasantly surprised by how much i liked it i know you've said it's great other people said it's great i've never really heard a bad thing about the show everyone i trust says it's a great show but yeah. I was still very pleasantly surprised how much I liked it, considering how much I enjoyed Silence of the Lambs. I was like, oh, God, another take on this thing. You know, another, another take on a classic. Like, how could it fail to be disappointing? But uh, it right. wasn't. Right? It, yeah, it's such yeah. a different take, and it's still really great. So, and it was awesome. So I want to take a little time and talk about Brian Fuller, because he's the creative force behind the show. He's the creator of the show. So um, what are your experiences with Brian Fuller? Are you guys familiar with his work that came before Hannibal? Or So this is pretty easy for me. I really have no kind of mm-hmm. history with Brian Fuller. I think the only thing I saw in his backlog of things he's been like either like a creative designer or the actual writer or director or whatever is Heroes. I know he was yeah, part he of was Heroes on the writing team. a little bit. I mean, I did watch Heroes, but I know that wasn't a show that he like show ran. Yeah, he wrote like that, the... So best episode of that show i think company man which was about a horn-rimmed glasses guy if you guys remember hrg yeah hrg wow that's a real throwback i don't know no <laughs> one's even talked about that show since it's been on the air really is it worth talking about i don't know because the reboot kind of sucked too because there was a reboot a couple yeah. years ago I didn't, I didn't remember that there was a reboot I remember the yeah. show being like super gripping for like the first season and then it just died. Yeah, the, off I a just cliff. remember the first season being so good and me like loving that first season and then it just quickly goes down this hill. You know what it is? I remember Heroes because it was within the same season as Lost season three. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of the internet commentary was like, why can't Lost be more like Heroes? That was the big thing really? going on. And That's then really it funny. swapped as the show went on. Because the beginning of Lost Season 3 was like the episode about Jack's tattoos and like all this other stuff that no one really cared about. People were getting sick of the flashbacks. But then like Heroes was so fresh and it was so like entertaining, you know? So people were like, why can't Lost be more like Heroes, right? But then Heroes continually shit the bed. Like 
towards the end of that first season and then like lost really stuck the landing with like through the looking glass and stuff okay we're getting really off topic but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that was probably my first exposure to brian fuller as well but we have some shared history with Brian Fuller too, Amir, because we watched all of right. Wonder Falls together with, uh, with our friend show, Jeff Ramson. Yeah, what a great, what a great show! It was a great show. And uh, Carolyn Davernis, she's in Hannibal. She's yeah, uh, a familiar face. Yeah, so that's nice. What the else has Brian Fuller Speck. done? <laughs> yeah, the, we'll, we'll get into that. The Return of Gretchen Speck from <laughs> Wonder Falls. Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. I think I've watched like almost everything. He's done like I saw some of Star Trek Discovery too. It didn't uh-huh. didn't really grab me, but I did uh-huh. see some of Discovery. I'm like thinking about going back to it now that they're doing the uh, flash forward thing. Like I could, I could yeah, 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 yeah. I could, yeah. I could get, I could get into like the future stuff. I did not like the whole prequel setting. I guess that's, yeah, that's not, not constrained by continuity, right? And I never saw any of American Gods, which I feel like maybe I should go back and watch. I, I, apparently, that's really quite good too. Uh, here's the thing with Brian Fuller though, because like. I don't want to, like, dunk on him at all or, or anything because he's, like, a pretty influential creator and he's a visionary. But, like, everything he's ever done has either been canceled or he's left. So <laughs> I think part of that is just, like, if that's your experience on every show you've worked on, maybe you kind of have to change what you're doing. Yeah, like, what does that say about you, right? Right, exactly. But then, like, the shoe's on the other foot, right? If you hire someone like Brian Fuller, you better give him, like, carte blanche, right? Mm-hmm. on like what yeah, you're man. doing and, and maybe it's like the budgetary constraints or something but i'm aware that know. second perspective fuck that let the man do what he wants like yeah a yeah. bunch of fucking people who don't know anything about art trying to tell brian fuller what to do i don't know I'm not so you're saying idea. brian fuller should just never work with marvel right just like those two, those two <laughs> entities just need to he, stay he, away from each he other he'd be the perfect marvel director what are you talking about <laughs> I don't no. think Marvel could handle Brian Fuller, to be honest, <laughs> after watching uh, Annabelle. Um, but it could be the most beautiful Marvel movie you've ever seen. You never know, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Orlando Jones does uh, great work on American Gods. Yeah, but he got mad. He he left the show. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, we won't get too much into it, but I've seen most of Brian Fuller stuff, like Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies. Yeah, he's, he's great. And I want to say Hannibal's probably the the best thing he's I was just done. about to ask you saying something the best. yeah, yeah. Wow. So think, what, what comes next what what do you recommend to people if you've seen Hannibal already or you're watching along with us for Hannibal and you like it and you want to see more Brian Fuller when we're done what's the next thing to go to I mean Wonderfalls got canceled right but I think the whole story is pretty cohesive it's it's pretty complete I think I think Wonderfalls is very very good it's very indicative of Brian Fuller's character Star Trek Discovery, he left before it even, like, aired. So he only got a couple episodes under his belt. So I don't know if that's really indicative of what his vision is. But, like, we'll, we'll get into more of that because there's, there's some through lines here in the second episode that's really connected to some Star Trek stuff, which is kind of odd, but it's interesting to talk about. But Dead Like Me has a couple seasons. That's pretty good, too. It's about a bunch of uh, Grim Reapers working in Seattle. So that's kind of funny, too. Um, it's he's, he's got a lot of quirky stuff. So. It's all about the death, man. Dead Like Me. And yeah, death, a lot of death. Uh, Hannibal's got a lot of death, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know Pushing Daisies has a pretty big... Uh, yeah, Pushing Daisies, big cult following. Oh, yeah, cult following. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always wanting it to come back and everything. And that also has to deal with death, doesn't it, also? Yeah, he's got like an obsession with death. So, yeah, but Amir, you were saying that you're surprised by 
the show, right? The first two episodes, because that's the feeling I got when I first watched it on on air, too, because I watched when it premiered. And at first I was like, you know what? It's another NBC procedural and they're just going to riff off of Silence of the Lambs and I'll believe it when I see it. Right. But then shockingly, the reviews were good. I kept with it. And now it's one of my favorite shows of all times. It's it's incredible. It's there's nothing like it. Like, I can't believe some of the shit they got away with on the show in terms of like gore and violence and pure like disturbing imagery right it's a shame that it got canceled canceled after three seasons there's some talk about it returning but who knows especially after this netflix launch right so let's not get our hopes up yeah so a little behind the scenes this show was super cheap nbc only paid like i think a hundred something thousand dollars per episode oh really except instead of like the millions that usually cost because it was co-produced by Gaumont Television, which is like a French production company. So it was subsidized by that. But I guess they couldn't find like another home for it after the third season. A lot of politics involved. But we owe the fact that it got three seasons to that, that it was extremely cheap for NBC. Yeah, that French connection really explains uh, the, the titles for the first season, right? Yeah, the whole first <laughs> season, uh, French culinary terms. And I believe it's actually, if you read the actual titles, it's set in a in a sequence, right? Where it actually, you know, the aperitif that comes before the meal, the moose boots. I think they small... started off that way, and then it like, kind of tapered off of that theme a little bit. I thought it stays with it, because isn't the last, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, isn't the last um, episode dessert, right, in French or something like that? Yeah, and I think, I think uh, it really starts to deviate in season two, which is all hmm. uh, Japanese. But yeah, it's interesting. So what did you guys think of the premiere in the and the second episode? Well, let's start with the premiere, right? Titled Aperitif. So like it starts out with like Will Graham using his autistic slash empathetic superpower to like reconstruct this crime scene and the murder of two people that he's doing for his, I don't know, FBI lecture. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. The whole superpower thing is like flashy and showy. You know, you've got like the really vivid like CGI blood and the and the murder and the all of that stuff is really kind of flashy. A bunch of slow motion stuff, yeah. Colorful and a bunch of slow motion stuff and a bunch of like, whoa, this is like so different from silence, right? Yeah. Like this is like some Marvel film shit or something. Like what the fuck is going on? You know, like the silence camera is so close and low and everything's kind of gray and it's very like understated. And this is just like immediately pulling out all the tricks. Um, like we said in that episode, silence isn't showy, right? And this is the show is very no, showy. No, right? no, no. And this is super, super showy, super flashy. And it was fine. Like, I was just kind of okay with it. Uh, I don't really love his like little superpower gimmick thing, but whatever. It's cool. Uh, it's a hook, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it was immediately different. I guess I, I like that he's there as a lecturer. I, I wasn't really super into it until uh, Lawrence Fishburne shows up. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I gotta say, Lawrence Fishburne is intense on this show. Mm -hmm. He's scary. I really like him. Sorry, to, to, to counter a little bit what Amir was saying though, I oh shit, here we go. I'm a, I'm the opposite. I actually love this this kind of storytelling mechanic that they use over the entire series. We'll see this kind of uh, I call it the swishing yellow bars, right? Yeah, That's, <laughs> yeah. that signify yes. him going into this this state yes. of you know uh, empathy. The pendulum, right? yeah. We call it the pendulum, yeah. Like I said last episode, I've been reading the books, and th mm. this kind of comes from the books right like you, there's parts in the story where you you kind of go into his head and it's the same thing right he kind of reenacts what's going on and he's trying to think through what 
the killer is thinking in, in those moments. But I mean, in the book, it's honestly not as exciting as, as I think they visualized it on the series. Yeah. I mean, all right, here's my thing. I think I'm in between you guys because mm-hmm. I like the flash and the substance of that. But I'm also with Amir where I'm not quite convinced by his leaps of logic. Mm-hmm. I like it when he uses his empathy to make deductions about like the nature of the killer that they're trying to catch. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it comes off as like, a psychic superpower yes. and i'm not super into that um it just doesn't seem like he could make those kinds of deductions i'm more into like the psychoanalysis when he makes those kinds of inferences you know to jump headed like is it like right. when he figures out like he eats them right he eats the girls like those kind of inferences versus like i'm trying to understand what the difference is between I guess what goes too far and what you yeah I, I don't like the crime the crime scene reconstruction like him doing the murder himself thing like that's like just kind of whatever mm-hmm. to me but I like when he's like for example when they're talking about the Minnesota strike he's like oh this is clearly a copycat the psychology of this person is completely yeah, different I love based on the that. presentation, I love presentation that. of the course like I love mm-hmm. that I thought that was really cool I was like all right like cool like I buy that that seems like the kind of thing that I don't know a genius FBI psycho analyst profiler guy could do right, right? right as opposed to like i'm i'm so empathetic that i imagine myself like i know, you know exactly what yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. like yeah. yeah this is how the knife went in and then i i don't know goofy shit. like i don't know like oh i uh, like the initial the very first murder of the show starts out with that he's presenting in his case yeah like you know he shoots her but you know she can still feel and like he precisely shoots through the neck and like nobody does that like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know if you ever shot a gun, but like, it's not like super easy. Like, the cops have to shoot like a billion bullets to hit someone who's like five feet away. Like, it's not you're not, you're not like super sniper shooting people right through their neck, like instantly, and then just severing exactly the nerves to like stop them from feeling right, people right, to move, but they can still feel it. It's just goofy shit. You're just like, all right, fine, whatever. So the thing is, like, I let it bother me once, and then I'm like, all right, I I suspend my disbelief. Yeah, That's the yeah, way it is. It's yeah, gonna be on the show. Yeah. I'm okay with that. So, fun fact about this opening scene. I don't want to get too much into, like, book spoilers, like Thomas Harris's novels. I think I'm going to stick mostly with discussion of the television series un- mm-hmm. until there's, like, some differences, that w- some cool differences we can point out. But interestingly enough, this first scene, the killer is never mentioned again or brought up again. And it's supposed to be Francis Dollarhide from Red uh... Dragon. When I watched it again, watched this episode again, I'm like, are they trying to hint at that? But they never really like mentioned yeah, it again. Cause, yeah, because the guy coming down the stairs getting shot, that's like from Red Dragon, right? Um, in, in that manner. But even later on, they, they don't mention that again. So it was like in an interview that Brian Fuller was like, oh, this was supposed to be Francis Dollarhide, but then we never really mentioned it again. Dollarhide shows up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to get too much into spoilers. <laughs> spoiler talk. I mean, it's not really a spoiler <laughs> to say where where the show ends up, but like. So uh, one last thing. I mean, I want to mention about the whole kind of Will's vision or whatever his superpower is that I do love the addition, which doesn't come from the books, is like him saying, "This is my design." Mm-hmm. He delivers that line so well, and it kind of ends the sequence. I think in a really poetic way, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good delivery. I like that. See, I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like like this is my design. It feels like he's about to recite the Green Lantern. Oh, <laughs> like, it's very like 
there is a cut scene that I saw where he pulls out a lantern and like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because my wife hates Hugh Dancy's accent on this because he's not American. He's British. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She can't stand it because she knows uh, that's not really what he sounds like. But I think his American accent's pretty good. He's, he does yeah, a fine American I don't know. accent. They do better American accents than we do British accents. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think, too. Yeah. Like, there's so many actors where you see them in a role and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then you see them in their real life, you're like, holy shit, you do not sound like a character at all. It's always shocking. So this first episode deals with them trying to catch this serial killer named the Minnesota Shrike. I love these serial killer names on the show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, it's from the book, right? It is from the book. Um, and Well, it is, it's not just the Sobra case. Even, even, the, uh, even the just, like, their normal names are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, what the hell is uh, the Minister of Strikes name? Garrett, uh, Garrett, Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Yeah. It's a great serial killer. Yeah, one of those thrice namers, right? I feel like all. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like a serial killer. Like Jeff mentions, Garrett Jacob Hobbs, the nomenclature of Minnesota Strike comes from the book. I mean, it's not given as much fanfare in the book as, as you know, the show kind of gives a whole episode about um, the Minnesota Strike. Yeah, State. the Minnesota yeah. Strike's just part of Will Graham's, like, backstory. Backstory, yeah. So the fact that Will Graham works with Hannibal Lecter to take down the Shrike, that's a complete fabrication of the series, right? Because mm-hmm. Will Graham never meets Hannibal Lecter while taking down the Shrike in the novel, right? No. In fact, soon after he meets Hannibal, he deduces that Hannibal is a serial killer. And Hannibal almost like disembowels him or whatever. And that's like their only interaction before the events of Red Dragon. So... This whole backstory of Hannibal Lecter being folded into the FBI investigations is something completely new. And and honestly, it's very interesting. It adds a lot of depth to the relationship between the two characters. And as the show progresses, I think we'll definitely get into more of like their relationship and the subtext behind it and, and things like that. But um, it's a great change from the novel, I think. And, like, this first episode's already remixing up a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of changes from the source material, especially in gender swapping. Mm-hmm. Alan Bloom is now Alana. Alana Bloom, played by Carolyn Davernis, who's Hannibal's old mentee who recommends Hannibal to look after Will, right? So the whole thing is that Will has this empathy disorder that allows him to step into the minds of these serial killers and he's a fragile guy right like mentally so alana's like his friend she doesn't want to see him be put out there too far by jack crawford played by Lawrence fishburne when they're trying to catch uh the shrike so they get hannibal lecter to come in and try and be a buffer between will and these serial killers but little do they know hannibal lecter's something else entirely yeah so that's basically the first episode and the shrike is he's like a serial killer who preys on young women um he's like obsessed with his own daughter doesn't want to see her go to college so he's also a cannibal right he does eat his victims correct Mm -hmm. and this whole first episode is about the fbi trying to apprehend him before he he strikes again and i I like that stuff i liked i liked uh you know will talking with Jack about like oh this you know this is his obsession and you know his uh, 
uh, what was the phrase they used? His uh, for the for the girl that was his actual target. What did they call it? Oh, the golden, golden ticket. Golden it was like a t- golden ticket, right? The Charlie, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Wonka. His golden yeah. ticket. Like I thought that was a good. I thought that was a whole good. That was a good discussion. That's the the kind of psychologizing I like. Yeah. Didn't like the whole, like, oh, I'm, like, on the autistic Asperger spectrum, but my power is super empathy. Oh, sorry, the power just fucking bugs me. I'm sorry, I keep going. <laughs> I mean, it's safe to say that, I mean, we, I, I hopefully you won't have a problem with it in the future, because I don't think they mention it as much in the future, right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. let it go. This, this is definitely, like, a character. Yeah, and, and, um, and I mean, it, it didn't prevent me from enjoying the episode. The episodes, like, I really liked what I watched. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Just, you know, it's just one, one of those things that bugs you. Yeah. It's just so much showier in silence, right. the only way you could say it, and it, and it's gorgeous. It's really pretty, yeah. even just in the first episode. It's a really, right. really pretty. And there's episode. so many things going on. It's a very complex pilot. There's so many layers to it because when they first find Elise Nichols and they're analyzing the body and they discover that she has cancer and that the meat is bad or whatever, it cuts to Hannibal. Right? He's like preparing a meal. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Oh shit! So like it's Hannibal, but it's not. It's Garrett Jacob Hobbs, right? So there's like this fake out there, and then there's like another thing that pulls the rug from under you is like you think that everything's about Garrett Jacob Hobbs, but then there's the copycat killer who is Hannibal, right? So like it's a <laughs> yeah. crazy little twist within this episode, and not a lot of shows have the balls to do that, and I think uh, it's very bold, and I I really enjoyed that. To speak on more that I did I love that transition, right? It's it's the moment where the team figures out, or I guess um, Will figures out that he's mm-hmm. eating them, right? And he actually says the line, he's eating them, and then it straight cuts. Right, right, Hannibal, right. That's what I was saying, right? yeah. It, there is that kind of like, like you know, maybe trickery, like, oh, maybe it's Hannibal's mm-hmm. killer. But I honestly saw it more of just like this really clever, because we know who Hannibal right. is beyond the series like who he is he is a cannibal so like i did love that transition mm-hmm. as the first kind of introduction to matt mickelson's hannibal so that's not the shot where he's eating the lungs right? no the that's lungs the, is... the, the longest shot no. is when, when they discover directly yeah, from... cassie Boyle's right. body and she's missing the lungs right and mm-hmm. it cuts directly to him cooking right, the lungs right, right, <laughs> so right. great it's really great so fun fact so that's a pig's lung oh really ah. so a lot of credit goes out to a woman by the name of Janice Poon. She's the food designer on this show. And yep. she does a phenomenal job of... Making cannibalism yeah, look, uh, look it delicious. it does look delicious. Yeah. A lot of this food looks delicious. Yeah. Even the breakfast that Hannibal brings. Dude, the protein scramble? <laughs> yeah. I wanted that. I wanted some of that, man. Like the sausage. Who knows what kind of sausage that is, but... Yeah, dude. That is a question I had for you, Jeff, and I guess you and Mir, too, is that... Is every meal we see, I guess, except for we, we do learn later in the series, and this is flashing forward, that he, he doesn't prepare fish, right? Fish is yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah. But is everything else he prepares that is a meat some human part? I don't think it's is always human. That would be nuts, I think. Getting into the scene with him and Jack Crawford, right? Lawrence Fishburne oh, yeah. Jack Crawford. He says, what is this loin? Loin yeah, of pork. Like yeah, you know, and, then he, and then he deflects, right? Yeah, yeah, he kind of deflects. He says pork, but then like it, it is it framed be. in a way where he's just it like, could be. They call human meat long pork, right? Yeah, mm. I, I, I read, read that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I read trivia that like human meat is like very similar to pork. So if you're going to disguise, something, that's what they say. Yeah, um, then you would disguise it as pork. Got it. All right. So anytime there's pork on this series, I'm just imagining it's some kind of human. Okay. Yeah. Just because I mean, even. 
now rewatching this again, I, I still don't know. I remember the first time I watched this through, I was like, is every time he's cooking a meal a human, right? Is it just like certain times he picks and chooses when he, he serves human to other humans, I guess is the, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe he is a, he is a cannibal and he's clearly a serial killer too. So I know there are definitely instances where he's feeding people, people, <laughs> but I don't know if it's all the time. Right. But all this food does look <laughs> delicious. Yeah. I mean, the show gets a lot of mileage out of us knowing that Hannibal's a cannibal. Yeah. And no, no one in the show knowing, right? The dramatic it gets a lot. a lot of irony mileage there it's 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 very funny actually i i laugh a lot when when stuff like that very funny. darkly funny show and i just want to contrast like mads mickelson to like anthony hopkins i love mads mickelson's performance in this he's just like so i don't know what the word is it's like i guess urbane <laughs> i guess he's like i mean anthony hopkins uh hannibal is also like sophisticated but like there's something just about mads mickelson's character who's who seems like he's like a renaissance man right he's still mask on. yeah he's still mask on exactly he's still still mask on here he's got like that impeccable office in his psychiatry practice like he's wearing the suits and the ties and like the yeah the way he dresses yeah um and like when jack crawford goes to visit him for the first time in his practice He's got like all these drawings, right, of the house. And those drawings are gorgeous, right? They they look fantastic. I don't know if you guys were able to like zoom in yeah. on that and like mm-hmm. it looks great. He just seems like a jack of all trades, I guess. Yeah, and then I noticed like when he does first meet Jack or Jack, you know, comes mm-hmm. to his office, like you know, he has the scalpel and he's like sharpening the pencil. Uh-huh. And like it could, there's just that subtle hint that he's like ready to attack i already feel like he knows who jack right, is right, right. he's on the defensive right yeah he's already on the defensive and like like i didn't notice it the first time i watched it but like now knowing what i know about this series i like it definitely picked up on those just those tiny little hints and clues i think that are really just like mads mickelson adds to that performance. yeah and then like when hannibal's talking to will in the cabin <laughs> Will's like, I don't find you that interesting. And then he's like, oh, you will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then like the line with um, when he's talking to Jack and he and he specifically says, I would love to have you and your wife for dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, It's just so small little things. I just love the writing in the show. Uh, Do you guys want to talk about the end of the episode, the whole finale? Yeah. What happens with Garrett Jacob Hobbs' wife, right? So um so they narrow down you know, who the killer is. And Hannibal actually warns him. He calls the Hobbs residence and he's like, are you listening? It's like, they know or whatever he calls them. And like, I see a lot of people online. like, why did he do that? Like, why not? He's a fucking dick. Yeah, dude, he's a sociopath serial killer. He's got some professional courtesy to his, his fellow, to his colleague. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy's even also a cannibal. They're like, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys this. Watching this, I wasn't really quite sure. Does he know who he is before they get to that office? Because we, you know, we know that he's already copying him, and he clearly has studied this person, right, to try to, no, in a sense, em- I don't emulate. think he knows. I think he's just. I think he's just playing around. Yeah, like he's being. He's 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 just copying him just to say, hey, what is it like, right? So like. And one thing I thought was very funny, another another great line is uh, when uh, Will Graham is uh, talking to Jack Crawford 
And he's like, yeah, this is, he's telling him about the, about the fact that this killer's a copycat and goes, yeah, well, you know, highly intelligent psychopaths are very difficult to catch. They never strike in the same way twice. Um, they're not going to be connected to the crime in any way. <laughs> and then, of course, it's Hannibal. Right. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I don't think Hannibal knows, uh, anything about Garrett Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until uh, that Brian. moment. There's no way he could. Until that moment, they, no way he they could. land in that construction site, right? Like, he, I think he's gathering a bunch of the information from, like, the FBI investigation. So I don't think he's ahead of the FBI investigation in any way. But he knows, like, the methodology and, like, he knows enough about Mm -hmm. Garrett Jacob Hobbs to not only copy the murder, but, like, to make it completely different so that he can show off that he's not Garrett Jacob Hobbs, right? Oh, you think that's what he's doing? Yeah. Anybody else would have thought it was the Minnesota strike, but then he's intelligent enough to... You think he's showing off to Will that he's a copycat deliberately? Oh, for sure. I think it's to Will. I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that at all. I have the benefit of knowing where the show goes, but, like, to see where this relationship with them, like, proceeds or whatever, like, he's definitely got his sights on Will. And, like... Oh, for sure. Yeah, that you can even see in this episode. I'm just talking about stuff that happens, like, a couple episodes later or whatever. I don't want to get into it, obviously, but... Right, yeah. He's trying to get his hooks mm-hmm. into Will, you know? And this copycat thing is, like, the way to do it. I read Hannibal as being forthright and honest when he was asking Will how Will knew that the copycat was a fake as a way of improving his own abilities at hiding his psychological motivation, right? So I thought he intended everybody be fooled, including Will. And the fact that Will wasn't fooled made him even more interested. And then he went, oh, so how could I fix my work for the next time? I can see that. I can see that. You know, because he's asking Will, oh, hey, so, uh, you know, yeah. just, uh, as an, just as an hour, just, you know, between you and me, what did the copycat killer do wrong so that he could hide it? In theory, you know, I'm not him, but just <laughs> that, that sort of thing. And I thought that that was being played straight. Yeah. But that's interesting. Maybe he's playing on another level. Um, I think... What gives it away is, like, when they're discovering Cassie Boyle's body, like, impaled on the stag head in the field, Will's like, Garrett Jacob Hobbs wouldn't do this. He's not interested in field kabuki or whatever. So, like, I think at some level, Will knows that someone's putting on a show for him to tell him that that this is not Garrett Jacob Hobbs. And, like, it's a taunt, Mm. right, I think? Mm. Could be. But, yeah, so... Hannibal calls Garrett Jacob Hobbs and he, he warns them that the FBI knows who he is. And when they get to his residence, Garrett Jacob Hobbs' wife steps out and her throat's already been slit and she like she like dies right then and there. <laughs> and then Hannibal's just like like no emotion. Yeah, like, his look, the even, look on like, him on his face is so funny. He's just like interesting. <laughs> like he's not happy about it. He's not like concerned. He's not like it's like just devoid. It's creepy. I read it as amused because <laughs> mm. he set these events in motion, right? So he's like yeah. basking in his chaotic handiwork, right? Which yeah. is the way I read it. And then they bust into the house and Garrett Jacob Hobbs has Abigail, his daughter, a knife point and he goes to slit her throat, but Will pops off like one shot. Well, he gets one shot in the shoulder. Only first. one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then he, shoots he unloads. Like, and then he unloads. Yeah. And yeah, in the, he shoots him like 10 yeah, times. Yeah, in the second episode, Jack Crawford says, like, you shot him 10 times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, they do they do save Abigail. She she lives. Uh, but 
Garrett Jacob Hobbs is dead and so is his wife. So Abigail is an orphan. Just to go back real quick, um, Will also kills Garrett Jacob Hobbs in the book. It's almost like they took that small information they got from the book and just kind of extrapolated into this whole long episode. But those small details like, you know, Garrett Jacob Hobbs is actually one of like the first people Will kind of kills on, I think, um, when he works for the FBI or on duty. So it, right. it, it's just that those small details that I really enjoy what they they kind of take from the source material and kind of extrapolate for the series. I, I really wanted to actually probably before we even get into episode two is really talk about the cast, because I think yeah. what's really great about this first episode is it really it flushes out basically most of the players that we're going to see at least this first season, if not, mm-hmm. you know, beyond. Of course, we already been talking about Hugh Dancy and Mads Mikkelsen as, you know, Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter, Caroline DeBaroness as Alana Bloom, Lawrence Fishburne as Jack Crawford. I, I mentioned it last week when we talked about the Science of the Lamb episode. Like, I really love what Lawrence Fishburne does in this series. So that, that was kind of my comparison to, I can't remember the actor's name who plays him in Silence. Uh, Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. Like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't quite enjoy Scott Glenn's performance as much as what Lawrence Fishburne I think, I, does. I just think Lawrence Fishburne like really exudes authority. Yes. Um, and I think he's great at playing that up. Like in the scene where he's talking to Will in the bathroom, he's scary there. Cause yeah. that guy comes in and he's like, use the ladies room or whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, funny. calm down. Yeah. Dick. See, I liked Scott Glenn's sort of like detached. It's a different, it's I a mean, different performance for sure. Scott Glenn uh, is to Lawrence Fishburne as silence is to Hannibal mm, in terms of true. just the level of showiness and like, uh, drama, yeah. right? Like Scott Glenn's very reserved and kind of pulled back, and like obviously he's a super intense guy. He's an FBI like criminal hunter, but like it's a more reserved. And he's like, I don't know, with Scott Glenn, I totally bought him being this like analytical, psychiatric profile making like investigator type mm-hmm. guy, right? Whereas like Lawrence Fishburne is more copy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also that that bathroom scene, uh, they recreated the bathroom from The Shining. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched it on that. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, pick that up. That's yeah. funny. Um, yeah. With all the red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To round out the cast, sorry, <laughs> just to continue with the cast real quick. Yeah. Um, Thomas as Jimmy Price. I mean, we got the three kind of like uh, CSIs, I guess, if you want to call them, right? Scott Even Thomas they is- have personality. I like them a lot. Yeah, um, much more than I think you ever get in the book, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Scott Thomas is Jimmy Price, Aaron Abrams is Brian Zeller, and then I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Hedwin Park as yeah. Beverly Katz, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved her intro because it, that's that's straight rip from the book, right? The first time you meet her, she's like doing her thing and she says the line, you know, like, gotcha. Like, that's mm-hmm. her line. That's the way she's introduced yeah, in the book. And that's Reagan. also, yeah, and that's hustle, how she's introduced in, in the series, which I think, I mean, out of those three, I love her character the most. So far, yeah, she definitely stands um, out. Yeah, is this and she was also in uh, The Outsider on HBO, so mm. that's probably where you've seen her before. Mm. Um, and then uh, the last one, and then we, we talked, Jeff, you mentioned you know, gender swap. Uh, another gender swap is Laura Jean Trostecki as Freddie Lowndes. Uh, Freddie Lowndes traditionally in the book was a, a male, uh, and in the movie, yeah. he was played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, although we won't talk too much about that movie because it's directed by. Not good. He who shall not be named, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do miss Philip Seymour Hoffman, but yeah, um, another another gender swap there. Yeah, but we don't see her introduction until the second episode, which 
we should talk about right now. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We should get, definitely get uh, into that. So, Moose Bouche. So, aperitif is like a little cocktail uh, mm-hmm. to cleanse the palate before a meal. Um, and if you don't know what a mousse bouche is, a mousse bouche is an hors d'oeuvre. It's not exactly an appetizer because you don't order it. It's like a chef's choice um, to give you, like at one of those fancy restaurants, you know, they, they like bring small something bite, out for right? you. Right, small yeah. bite. Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> what a mousse bouche is. Um, and this one, we have uh, another killer of the week. And this time it is Mr. Eldon Stamets who is making mushroom people. (laughs) (laughs) This shit was gross, man. Yeah. Very gross. Uh, So he is like keeping comatose people in the ground while he grows mushrooms off of them using like a sugar IV drip to keep them alive, Uh, keep them in like a diabetic coma. Um, So that is the killer of the week on this one. But I want to get into like how secondary the killer of the week stuff feels oh yeah i mean this is all about the fallout of the first it is episode, all about the fallout, fallout of the first episode will and hannibal and and uh and abigail yeah, and abigail Hobbs, yeah. The, the throat slit daughter of uh, the killer from last yeah. week they gloss over a lot of the stuff um with eldon stamets and i think that's on purpose and and i, I think it's oh, yeah, fine i think who gives, who gives a shit yeah. i wonder if it's that's something they did to sell like the procedural aspect of the show as like an easier sell to like the network. Maybe, I don't know. Um, being like a, a co-production with Gaumont, maybe they didn't need to do that, but I kind of got the feeling that was, Oh, we got to throw in a little procedural stuff to make sure that nothing's too serialized. But I think they let go of that really quickly. But I mean, to be fair, you get some great imagery. out. Oh of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. That shit is super creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a fun little Easter egg is that Eldon Stamets is named after Paul Stamets, who's a, a mycologist from history who studied fungi. So mm, nice. <laughs> uh, very interesting. And then if anyone out there watches Star Trek Discovery, there's another Paul Stamets who's, I guess, directly named after the, the scientist, but um, also a Brian Fuller show. So And also a mushroom guy because he builds like the mycelial network that the enterprise runs off of um it's it's interesting <laughs> or discovery not enterprise because it's, it's a different ship but um i guess brian fuller loves his mushrooms right uh big yes, big yeah. big theme there yeah but this episode like derek you mentioned before shows the first appearance of freddie Lowndes, who mm-hmm. uh who in the book is a tabloid journalist. Here she is a tabloid crime blogger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, old, the, the thing I can best describe her site, which is called tattlecrime.com, I would say it's a cross between Gawker and uh, Ogrish or something like that, you know? Or like uh, one of those like gore sites or something like that, you know? I get that vibe from, from her. Um, she is such a piece of shit. (laughs) She's, she's an awful, awful person. And, um, I love the performance by, uh, Lara Jean Churistecki. Yeah. I think she does a great job playing her as like a slimy tabloid blogger. Um, she, like you said, is slimy, but is opportunistic to the point where I'm almost, I'm not rooting for her. But at, at the same time, like she's she's going to get it right. Like she, she's compelling. Yeah, she's fun. Yeah, yeah she's fun. Fuck yeah, 
fuck it, I'll say it. I'm kind of rooting for her. I'm glad that Hannibal didn't murder her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, yet I guess. But yeah, like <laughs> no, no, but like that—that's that's the point, though. Like I think like you, you can't just introduce her character and then you know she's the slimy person that you want her to like die immediately. It, it's almost like you have to be compelled by her so that it kind of justifies her being on this series for however long she's going to be on the series. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't watched it, but yeah, I really found her character really attractive. Not, I mean, she is a very attractive woman, but also just like attractive in the sense, like I'm just enticed by her, right? Like the, the, the will. Oh yeah. She's a very compelling character. I mean, I know she's a piece of shit, but I love watching her. Right. Cause like Mm -hmm. of all the manipulative things that she does, um, she just warms her way into like crime scenes and just, she's just scummy. And um, Brian Fuller based her off a real person, Rebecca Brooks, who mm. was a British journalist, and she was the editor of News of the World. It's like a British tabloid, and like she was like an editor for The Sun. Um, and there was like a huge phone hacking scandal for the tabloid, where they got like tips from uh, hacking people's phones. Uh, so a bit of a through line of like her immoral methodology of getting the info that she needs right so Mm. i thought that was an interesting little tidbit there yeah so this episode i know you won't get anything from this derek but uh saw the return of gretchen speck from wonder falls uh which uh brian fuller confirmed that it was the same character right uh she's the would-be victim of elvin stamets so it's it's and literally the same actress playing the, the same, same character. Same actress playing the same character. She even says the same thing yeah, that's cool. on Hannibal that she does in uh in Wonderfall, right? She's like lost the hyphen, kept the ring, or whatever. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's really cool. That's a cool Easter egg right there. Yeah. Even though I didn't watch the Wonderfall show, but yeah, that's a cool Easter egg to know. It is a cool and I liked a lot of the psychoanalysis in this show too. Like the conversations between Will and Hannibal are really interesting really getting down to the nature of what will's feeling about the the death of garrett jacob hobbs which he's responsible for right yeah and hannibal is clearly seducing slash grooming will right Man, exactly right? Like he's clearly like trying to either turn him into a serial killer or just fuck with his head or but there's this yeah he's he's clearly i want to say one thing like even watching this show you forget that hannibal is a serial killer and he's yeah. fucking with people right you forget because in a lot of these like psychoanalysis talks where Will's getting therapy from him, you're like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to help Will in his like recovery. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, wait, Hannibal's a fucking <laughs> nasty serial killer fucking messing with his mind, right? So like, yeah, you forget. Yeah, recovery. he's not helping. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> um, uh, funny. That is funny. Um, yeah, so what stuck with me was uh, Hannibal's little anecdote about all those churchgoers dying in that roof collapse and he's like killing must feel good to god too he does it all the time or whatever and like why did he do it it's like to feel powerful that's what Mm -hmm. he said and and i I thought that really resonated and like you know that it's taking root your hand there a little bit huh (laughs) taking root in will's mind a little bit that he might actually enjoy killing so definitely, definitely something there. Sorry, completely unrelated, but like I just can't get that out of my head now. That Mads Mikkelsen, who's playing Hannibal here in this like such this subtle complex role, is in fucking Doctor Strange as the yeah. villain, and then is in like Rogue One. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Hollywood is so fucking weird. 
Like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah, why cast him in those roles? It's so weird. He's such a waste in Doctor Strange, even though I do like that movie a lot. There's just no nuance to that character. Yeah. I would say the same for Rogue One. I mean, I yeah, think he, he yeah, 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 yeah. Too, so. He's got that cute little Mr. Doctor joke going there in uh, Doctor Strange, but it's right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he's pretty much wasted in that movie. And and if you watch this show, you you can kind of tell. But yeah, sorry. Go go back to what you were saying. I just it just struck me like, wow, how the fuck do you do those things like back to back? Right. So um, I mean, yeah, another yeah, interesting conversation that I thought was that was had. Um, was between Hannibal and Jack. And I guess I was getting ahead of myself a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, but this is the point where he like serves Jack the loin and they talk about him and his wife, um, which is a character that you'll meet later. And I think that's a really interesting relationship that he has with um, both Jack and his wife in the future. Mm-hmm. But then the most interesting thing I, I caught was Hannibal has a line about fearing that Jack's going to lose another pony. Did you catch mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah, so like I think that's something like if you have never seen the series, like just th- that small little line is something that I guess needs to be paid attention to, Amir. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? um, so I thought that was just uh, like like you said. I think any conversation that Matt Nicholson has in this show as Hannibal is just so fascinating, and there's just so much detail to it that you really have to pay attention to just even yeah. the smallest details. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to it. Especially mm-hmm. the dialogue. And, and the people on the show don't really talk like real people. And I think that really adds to like the surreal nature of the show. And I also want to say it's like kind of David Lynchian, where you have like all the surreal imagery, a bunch of dream logic. It's a lot of like things like that where it's like reality adjacent, right? But it's still grounded enough that you can follow the story and it's not like so out there i mean the serial killers are insane like this mushroom fungus guy elden stamets like that shit was like something out of seven um right where the the guy like jolts awake and he's still alive because like mm-hmm. one of the one of the fungus oh, dudes yeah. are yeah, still yeah. alive when uh will is doing his little pendulum thing it's it a, it a big jump scare there and uh to talk more about the dream imagery is this the first appearance of the dream stag yeah or is does it make an appearance in the first episode i don't i think it makes a really really short appearance in the first episode but you know his visions of garrett jacob hobbs and then also this dream stag um start kind of heavily in this this episode yeah so like i think there's a lot of debate on like what the stag represents um I don't know. What do you guys think it represents? I don't think there's a um, right answer to this, but like, I have no fucking idea because I didn't know the dream stag was a thing. But that's uh, that's the thing. Like, I, I cool. yeah, but like Amir says. Like, I mean, for me, it becomes a lot more clear as the season goes on, right, right, or as the series goes on. But to put myself back into when I first watched this episode, I was very confused by this imagery of a, a stag. Right, I I had no idea what I mean. What, I didn't you, even like I like Amir. I didn't know it was important until later. But then I just kept like, what is going on here? Uh, for me, it was very confusing. I mean, I if you take it at face value, it's probably just Cassie Boyle's crime scene um, that's personified as like a traumatic right, thing yeah. for for Will. This copycat that's haunting him, and he doesn't know who it is because the stag has like it's got like feathers. So yeah. it's got like the aspects of the horns that Cassie Boyle's like impaled upon and then like the crows that are pecking at her. So it's like, I feel like that's probably mm. like 
what you could construe it as if you take it at face value. But like, you could also go way deeper and talk about like talk about it as like Will's like innate love for killing that Hannibal's trying to like uh, uncover or something like that. Like, Foster, yeah, yeah, I mean, who who knows? Um, still too early to tell, but but yeah, yeah. I, I will say that like I mean, we are seeing like the vision of or the dream or whatever you want to call it of the dead garrett jacob hobbs but we're also seeing this stag and like for the longest time i thought they were the in in essence the same thing to only mm. learn like later in the future that they're not right they're, they're two separate things that he's kind of dealing with mm-hmm. um so like uh, that's kind of part of the confusion i think i had for a while too was just that i thought he was just hallucinating and like they were just related in in the most direct way i guess mm-hmm. which they kind of are right they're, like you said it is it represents a stag that is um something that kind of haunts him and that it represents the copycat at the same time he's also seeing the ghost of, of garrett jacob hobbs and yeah i don't know it's just adds, the, it added to my confusion in the beginning but in the end like hannibal mentions that it's not really the ghost of garrett jacob hobbs right it's just mm-hmm. will's conflict over feeling good over killing someone mm-hmm. uh that was so evil right because like Hannibal says, like, did you really feel so bad because killing him felt so good, right? I think that's that's part of uh, Will's part of psyche it. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, I just want to talk about Freddie Lowndes' uh, encounter with Hannibal, who's trying to dig up info on, on Will Graham. Um, she does write that article about the FBI hiring a demented mind to catch another demented mind, mm-hmm. you know, like that expose on Will um and she uh she records will and hannibal's session right and then she uh tries to get more info from hannibal this was really scary because like you know who hannibal is insanely um and hannibal's like you've been terribly rude miss lounge what are you gonna do about that or like oh shit yeah and then it cuts away i'm like oh she's definitely yeah exactly (laughs) and the series Um, does this really well it plays with your emotions a lot in this way where you understand who he is and then they'll do the cutaway and you just don't know what happens for a while mm -hmm. like i i don't know does it ever go back to freddie lounge in this episode i can't remember like yeah yeah, we know she's still alive because she gets confronted by Stan yeah, yeah, yeah. who murders that cop yeah. right in front of her. Like, holy crap. Yeah. But yeah, I, I find that it, it does, it, this is a reoccurring thing that the show will do to you, to play with your emotions a little bit. Um, also, another little detail I like, not really related to anything, is that like it really shows how like the, the series doesn't really hold your hand about anything but like it has a lot of like amusing and like realistic rapport between the characters i like the scene between beverly cats and will when he's at the shooting range or whatever and mm-hmm. this is a nice little moment uh, where uh where beverly she's like oh you're a weaver guy I took you for isosceles and they never explain what that is um but that's like a shooting stance for uh for law enforcement it's like two different stances where uh Weaver is like one foot in front of the other, and isosceles is like uh, parallel, your two feet parallel to each other. Um, And I I just thought that was like a nice little touch that didn't really need any explanation. And like, if you got what it was, then kind of cool. If you didn't, it didn't really mean anything. But it's it's just interesting. I kind of liked it, and it builds like the credibility for these characters, right? And and I like that. And it starts to build their relationship, which I yeah yeah I really love in this. Yeah yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, to, to get back to something that I think you guys both mentioned earlier was the kind of this is the first episode where we kind of get into that more murder of the week aspect of the show. And I, in my opinion, it is, you know, having the 2020 vision of you know, seeing you know all the episodes. For me, it is one of the weaker things about this series. Um, especially as it moves on with these kind of killer by the week. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's part of partially, you know, the weakest thing that happens in this episode, right? It it just kind of gets solved and it, it really it goes they by the They do kind wayside. of gloss over it. They do kind yeah. of gloss over it because, well, also like Eldon Stamets is pretty stupid. His, <laughs> the, the, his last was like the 10th diabetic woman to disappear yeah. from that one pharmacy branch right like come on at least hydra tracks a little bit right but like mm-hmm. um you wonder how he got away with that like for so long yeah uh, but yeah yeah but uh, like like i say for me it's it's the weakest part of this episode and then it's as we move along i'll probably be uh, be like a broken record saying it's probably like not my favorite thing about the series but um it really isn't i, I think the, the the series is the strongest one it's really more, the, more serialized i, I yeah agree. more serialized elements of like the the relationship between dr lecter and, and and will and even hannibal's relationship with almost any of the characters you know he has side stories a lot with alana he has a lot of side stories with like jack yeah or, and i think all those things are really strong about this series that i, I agree 100 those are the things i want to watch more than really just the the villain of the week but some of these villains of the week but, are great like if anything yeah, the imagery get amazing, like the though. imagery yeah. like this yeah, that's exactly yeah, what I was gonna say. I was gonna stand up the like, villain of the week and that the, the imagery is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Really I gorgeous. thought I thought I agree, because like I thought the the reasoning for Stamets targeting Abigail, it was it was a little far fetched. It's like, oh mushrooms like they connect with each other and like Will Graham is like he's kinda of saying like he's a human mushroom that can like connect with other people in ways that normal people can. It's like it's kind of a stretch. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's okay. I mean, um, we got some real juicy moments. Introduction of Freddy Lowndes. You see more of Hannibal in his uh, in his element as a psychiatrist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good episode. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, but we're definitely gonna get into the meat of the season soon. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to continue this journey with you guys. It's it's about to get crazy. So yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised so far. I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of the way the show goes. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a completely different take from Silence of the Lambs, and I really love it. It's just super over the top, super gorgeous looking, super flashy, super dramatic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really like it. I yeah. mean, I guess the only the, the main baseline similarity is like the, the 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 focus on the depths of these relationships and the psychological like tricks and games that Hannibal plays. That's all the same. Yeah. That's all you know. That's all the same between Silence and this, and uh, yeah. I think that's all all for the better. So, yeah, I'm excited for episodes three and four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just only kind of recently finished the the series, and I'm already starting it up again, and I'm still really enjoying it. It's super fun to go back and rewatch it and and pick up all these things I didn't pick up on the first time. So yeah. I, I, you know, if you've already seen the series, I invite you to go back and just rewatch it again because. Honestly, you you get so much more because of the amount of, like I said, the amount of detail I think they put into not just even the imagery, but the dialogue and just the background material, like or things in the background. I think it's just worthwhile to even watch it again. And I think it's like great to have Amir's perspective because he's never mm-hmm. seen it before. Yes, and like yes. 
a lot of things that are really fresh for him and like it's just nice to have a different perspective like like in the first episode that conversation between Hannibal and Will like we know where it's going but like Amir you've never seen it before so like you got a different take from that and I think it's interesting it's fascinating to see yeah, absolutely um what what do you think so yeah yeah i mean i'm, I'm not completely unspoiled I've seen yeah, it, yeah, yeah yeah just because but you know i think we all still, know it's coming seen it with my seen it, seen it with my seen it with seeing it with my own eyes yeah. so yeah, yeah. Um, any any other stray thoughts about these first two episodes i do but i think i partially want to save it i i, I don't want to be i don't want to talk about it now because i can't fully talk about it if that I, okay. I know, this, right. I know this is so cryptic. We won't talk about it. This is so cryptic, but uh, I, I think I'll save what I'm thinking for a future episode. Uh, okay. But yeah, okay. <laughs> just to tease people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I mean, uh, I, me, I guess having the final words. Any anybody else have anything else or? Uh, oh, sure. I think that's it. I'm good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, oh, I did did want to bring up one more thing. Is that um, when I was talking through the cast list, I, I did miss one person, which is Casey Roll who plays Abigail Hobbs. You kind of get a sense, but uh, she does become a more important player um, as the season goes on. So definitely kind of pay attention to her character. And she's also a character that, I mean, from what I've seen from the books is a complete fabrication of the series. Right, Jeff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of interesting territory where they've kind of spun off and created this whole new character based on just a small little tidbit from, uh, from the, from the book series. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess uh, that will probably do it for this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? I have not been updating the letterbox, but you can check me out there. I swear I'm going to get to it. And what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the wrong Daik. Daik is spelled D-A-Y-I-K. And that's for Instagram and Twitter. But if you like this podcast, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other um, popular podcast platforms. Uh, also, a really easy, free way to support our podcast and help us, you know, really expand and get out to more people is to give us a good rating on Apple podcasts. If you're listening to us on that platform, uh, really helps to kind of boost us in their kind of search algorithms and really hopefully get our, our podcasts out to many, many more ears. Yeah. And, um, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, any tidbits you want to share about Hannibal, if you're watching for the first time or you're a Hannibal expert, please uh, send us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Um, we love to hear from our listeners and our fans and read the email sometimes on our show. So yeah, if there was if there's like a, yeah, anything we missed. Any fun Easter uh, eggs that we missed. I'd love, I love hearing those little small tidbits. So if you we love, yeah, we love the Easter yeah. eggs. Yeah. But uh, I guess uh, we'll see everyone next week for episodes three and four. Yeah, episodes three and four. All right, see you guys next week. All right, see you next week, everybody.